What if you were able to sit down for lunch with some of the greatest leaders in the world? What would you ask? What would they say? Welcome to the Lynch with a Leader podcast, where you're invited to join us in learning the spiritual principles behind big success. Here's your host, Mike Lynch. Welcome to episode 69 of the Lynch with a Leader podcast, where we sit down with some of America's greatest leaders and find out how they have led with their faith out in front. If I've never met you before, my name is Mike Lynch, and it is my honor to be on this leadership journey with you, as we're all seeking to be the leaders that we were created to be in the space and the place that God has put us. Well, today is going to be a fun one. About a minute into this conversation, I went, all right, this is why I got into this uh, little side fun here doing a podcast, because I got to sit down with the incomparable Sam Collier. If you don't know Sam, you need to know Sam. Sam has burst onto the leadership scene across the country. Last year, he was the host of the Willow Creek Leadership Summit. Uh, The guy is amazing. He's either speaking on a platform, hosting on a platform, MC on a platform. Uh, His podcast, A Greater Story, has some of the greatest guests. And I, I love his tagline, where your story connects with God's story, that is the greater story. And man, what a what a way to say it. You are going to love Sam Collier. He's heard on radio stations across America with his podcast. Uh, he is a thought leader. He is a thought, I would even say engineer, in the way he is moving our culture forward and diagnosing where we are as a culture and helping make helping people make radical changes in the way that they live out their lives. You're going to love Sam. So today's going to be an inspirational one. I want you to pull up a chair and I want you to listen in. And I hope it's more than once. And I think it's going to be one that you're going to share with lots of your friends. I want you to listen in to my time with Mr. Sam Collier. Well, Sam, thank you so much for being a guest on Lynch with a Leader. It is an honor to have you, buddy. Man, who are you, man? <laughs> We're think, all trying to figure that out. Are, are you Superman? Yeah, listen What's to going you. on, man. God, it's an, such an honor to be on here. You've had some incredible leaders on this platform. And so just to just to be able to be among the greats and talking to you, um, obviously what you've done here in Georgia has just been insane. I got to come over to the church. I got to see what you're doing. I mean, just you working and speaking and influencing so many influencers um, has just been incredible, man. So when I got the invite, I'm like, Sarah, put it on the calendar. You know? uh, so, honored. You are awesome. I, I got to start. The, the name of your podcast, radio show, I know the book you've got coming out. Yeah. The Greater Story. I want you to tell me, because I don't think you can tell your story and not have that as a part of the story. Tell everybody a little bit about where the the thought of greater story came from and why you believe when you connected your story with God's story, it made all the difference in the world. Oh, man. You know, um, started with Jeff Henderson (laughs) over at Net Church, started with North Point and Andy and all of them, man. And, um, uh, writing the book about it now, it's long story short, met my biological family on the Steve Harvey show, man. 
And this was made about five, six years ago. And it was, it was insane. Um, got adopted two months old and, um, twin sister. Um, and when we got adopted, you know, came from poverty, um, extreme poverty, prostitution, uh, um, fatherlessness. I mean, all of that. And we get rescued at two months. And what's interesting is in the adoption, in the adoption agency, when, our parents came down to get us. Um, they told them not to adopt us. We'd probably be mentally challenged or, you know, we probably wouldn't make it just because of, um, because of where we came from. And uh, my parents adopted us anyway. They said, no, no, God, we feel like God's doing something with them. And uh, they adopt us, raise us. My sister gets all A's from kindergarten up to 12th grade. And you know, I'm, I end up on lynch with the leader, you know, and <laughs> <laughs> poor guy, poor right. guy. <laughs> and, you know, so I feel like, you know, God, God, you know, he did a miracle. And my dad, you know, five years ago, we have, you know, we're doing our family tradition footballs, what I call it in the Sun NFL. And uh, we're watching and there's only one rule. You can't talk. That's the rule. Don't talk while the game's on. If you talk, you got to get out and, uh, my dad breaks the rule and he's yelling at us and he says, you know, you need to go find your parents. And we're like, what, you know, what are you saying? And he said, it's time where you could wake up one day and, and marry your sister or your cousin. And you wouldn't know it. It was like, what are you talking about? (laughs) And, um, so I find out later, you know, he's like, you need to go on the Steve Harvey show to do it. Steve Harvey's going to help you find your parents. And, I'm like, what? Do you know Steve Harvey at this point? No. My dad, you know, you call it prophetic, you call it whatever. He's just like, Steve's going to help you find them. But we're like, yeah, you're crazy. And uh, he convinces my sister to write in. And um, she just wrote in because, you know, Ellen's not writing you back. And, you know, and so a year goes by and they call us and the ladies, uh, the producer had just left the Jerry Springer show. And, uh, she, um, she's like a hundred stories are on my desk. Yours is the top story. We think we can help you find your parents. Do you want to do it? Let me call you back. I got to call my sister. Do you want to do it? She's like, no, but I'll do it. We do it. They say we didn't find anybody. We get there. Steve's like, we're just kidding. Live on national television. Your mother's here. Eleanor, come on out. And, uh, oh my gosh. And she comes out, man, we meet our, mo- our mother. And um, then he says, you know, and your siblings are here too. And th- we didn't know we had, you know, and then they walk out. So it's just wild story, man. And, that, you know, from that, some a couple years go by after that, and Jeff Henderson over at North Point and, and Andy, they're just like, you got to figure out how to tell this story. And I'm actually sitting in, which I don't tell this story much, I'm sitting in the conference room with Jeff. And I'm like, well, how should I tell it? He said, well, say it, like, just tell me the story right now. And I'm saying it, and he's like, just like that. <laughs> <laughs> and he's, I said, well, you know, at North Point, you got to have a bottom line. Yep. And so I said, well, wh- Jeff, what's the bottom line? He said, well, we're in this series called Cast Member. It's that God, you know, we're all a part of God's story. And the tagline for the story was, when your story connects to God's story, it leads to a greater story. Mm. And he said, why don't you just keep the tagline of the series and 
I mean, and you know, Jeff, his, his, oh, his yeah. Jeff, you know, used to be at Chick-fil-A and um, he, he talks in marketable quotes. That's right. That's just how he talks. You know yes. what I'm saying? Yep. And so for him, he's spitting out brands every five seconds and not doing that. I mean, he's like, oh, here's another one, here's another And um, it was such a powerful line that, that you know, encompassed and, and captured my story at such a high level that I said, man, I got, Jeff, you know, if it's okay with you after we, you know, after we did, I said, can I take this and turn it into something? And uh, he's like, yeah, I'm not going to do that with it, you know? <laughs> he didn't even recognize. And so I, um, and that's how a greater story was born, man. But um, it, it works so perfectly because the idea of cast member um, was that God was writing a, a, you know, story with all of our lives. And, you know, at every, at every moment, um, we, you know, we have a, a, an option to choose if we're going to go with him or if we're not. And, and every day we have, but there's an option. And when we choose him, our story connects with his story. And then it leads to something greater than we ever thought it could lead to. And so that's, that's a greater story cast member that, I mean, and so it's just, I'm living in that now writing the book with Baker. And so what changed about you meeting your mom and your siblings? So you've gone through this whole life. I've heard you say, man, I had the greatest parents in the world pouring into my sister and I, when your dad who raised you, said, you need to go find your parents. You need to know who they are. Here's a grown man who's created a mark, who's doing his life. When you met your mom and the siblings you didn't know, what did it do for you? Man, you know, um, I talk about the power of adoption because a lot, because if you do it right, then you 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 kind of close all of the holes mm. that come with being adopted. And so when we met him, you know, as a, I I really didn't really know I really didn't know what to do because I'm like, well, if I would have been living my life wishing that my mom was there or that my dad was there or that oh I wish I had a brother I wish I did this then when I met them, it would have filled that hole of, oh my gosh. But because I had such a phenomenal family, I mean, uh, we, we all were black. And so it, everybody thought we were theirs anyway. Right. Um, I didn't have any of those holes. And so what happened is, is when I met them, I had to develop space. Mm. Mm. I had to go, wait a minute. Like I got to create space for you now. And, and I can't move out the space that my parents have filled. And I can't like, I got family. I, you know, I have a twin sister, but I also have cousins. I've got aunties. I've got uncles that raised me. And I, you know, I, I can't move them out. So now I just got to add you in. Mm. And so now I got to create some space. And so that's what I started doing. I started going, all right, let me open some space up and invite you guys into my life. And I think that the other thing was um, just, you know, learning how to love them because I think that there, there, there was a great need. I don't even want to say need because, you know, I don't know that for them, but for me, from the outside looking in, you know, I felt like there was a, a need for me to love them. 
because they had been through so much. You know, my brother pulls me to the side after the show and says, you know, um, I know you, uh, we think you may have missed out on something, but you didn't miss out on anything. I mean, there were times we were, we didn't eat for four days, you know? And so the, the Lord rescued you. Um, wow. and so going, you know, shortly after I went and saw him in Cincinnati and, and you know, not all of them, but a lot of them still living in poverty. And so it's like, okay, God, then the question becomes, which I ask all the time, which is really a question that all of us ask. It's like, what do I now do with the opportunity that you've given me? Because there are people that aren't living where I'm living. This is my family, my own family, you know, uh, what, what, uh, what is my responsibility now? And it's, and it's you know, and so, it, and for me, it was to love. It's like, man, let me, let me show them unconditional love and acceptance and grace and, and invite them in. Mm. What do you think would be different about you now? Let's say the adoption never happened and yeah. you, they didn't love you. And it's that whole thing. They didn't love you enough to do what they did. And that really what they did probably, they didn't even understand at the time, but it was, we can't do it. We, we want somebody to love them. What's different about Sam Collier's life and, and your place in the story? Oh my gosh. Because of the adoption, am I right? Yes. Man. Oh my gosh. I mean, I, I think the biggest uh, the biggest word to say is Jesus. Mm. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Because I was raised in a Christian home. I'm I'm preaching now, I'm teaching now, I'm living in the whole God thing because of my adopted parents. Because, you know, because they taught us how, how, how to reason and how to think and because we had a stable environment. You know, I, I often talk about poverty and the idea that um, when you are in an unstable environment, there's a sense of... Um, I don't, I can't, I don't get the right word. There's a sense of trauma that comes like in you never slow down long enough to learn how to problem solve and how to think through some of the things because it's a, you're waking up in a war zone every day. And so you, you just said, there, there it is. You're living in survival mode. And so when you're living in survival mode the whole time, people often look at people that are in poverty and they go, well, pull yourself up or like stop making those decisions or do this or do that. But what they miss is that they've not developed, uh, they've not had the time and the foundation to sit down long enough to think yep. and brain catch up. Cause they're always moving. It's like, Oh, I gotta wake up. I gotta, I gotta get the food on the table. I gotta do this. I gotta do that. Do that. You know, my sister often says, well, you know, she responded to, to the, um, to the uh, adoption differently. And, you know, you know, and she often wonders, well, how come she kept having kids? Because we had she had three kids already. Then she had me and me and my sister, five kids, 21. Mm. How why did how come she kept having them? And I said, I don't know that that's the question that you know that one that we can ask, but then also, I mean, she was in poverty. I mean, she's not thinking through, you know what I'm saying? There, there wasn't a strategy to it. Right. Yeah. Yeah, there wasn't a strategy. It was just like, I'm doing my thing. And, you know, the counselors often talk about, you know, we, we, what we use to medicate, mm -hmm. you know, our pain and our trauma, you know, for many of us, it's drugs, it could be sex, it could be attention, it could be, you know, power. 
you know, whatever it is. So, so for her, some of it could have been medicated, medicated, wow. you know? And so just to, just to make it through life. And yeah, I got these three kids. I'm 21. You know, my, my dad was on drugs at the time and left the picture. I mean, she's, you know, trying to make it, you know, so, so I think that, that the biggest thing is Jesus. <laughs> in that, in that, I mean, and you go, and that's that part of that cast member and God's story that you go, somehow God in the middle of all of it knew it. And then he used all of that story, not for Sam, not for your sister. He's using it for somebody else. That's the craziest part of the whole deal is our story really isn't for us. It's for the benefit of somebody else. What, yeah. Did, yeah. what did it do for you when you began to see, man, God's hand has been in this the whole time. When did that hit you? Did it hit you after the show? Did it hit you earlier? Man, um, when did it hit me? Uh, I think it was the moment I was in Kinko's sending the papers into the Steve Harvey show. And because it was the first time I had discovered all this by my life. And uh, I was just like, what? <laughs> <laughs> This is wild. This is crazy. Um, I've got brothers. I've got sisters. Um, my mom was going through this. She had this. Um, you know, this was my medical history. My, my grandma died. And other people tried to die. Like, it was just so many things about the story. And then, you know, spending time with our mother and her saying she tried to come back and adopt us a year after we got adopted. She tried to come back and get us. Wow. So you go, you know, God, you know, he had a plan. I mean, he wanted, he wanted to get us out of there so we'd be raised here, so we would do this, so we would do that. Um, and so it's just, I, that's what I think, that moment in Kinko's. Yep. The moment yep. in Kinko's when I saw, I said, this is, God is just, you know, he, he orders our steps, man. Mm. Well, that verse comes to life, doesn't it? When you right. talk about order, I mean, you read it and you go, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you hear the story like this and you're like, man, you're telling me he's that intimately acquainted with each of our lives. And he really is. Wow. And, and, and the thought that God now uses this story on a, on a TV show to help somebody where they're at. And, you know, and now it's your podcast. It's your brand. When I think of Sam Collier, I think of a greater story. Yeah. Whether, whether it's radio, television, book. I mean, it's, it's you. Now you're known in leadership circles. Man, guys all over know who Sam Collier is. When did you begin to see yourself as a leader? How, oh, my God. How old were you when you started to go, man, there might be something there God could use? Lynch with the leader, baby. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> you incredible at this. Um, when did I start knowing my, you know, what's, what's interesting is this is another part of the story in terms of your question of how different would I have been? And, um, you know, my dad, my adopted dad, he just, he, him and my mom, they just, they always continuously called us into leadership. Mm. I mean, this was, it was insane. Even when we, I, I got a friend, I'll tell you a story. This story, I think, will resonate. 
especially if we have any athletes listening, it's, you know, a good friend of mine, Harry Douglas Falcons. His brother, Tony Douglas. I grew up with them. My dad, who adopted us, um, had a barbershop, has a barbershop on Auburn Avenue. And Harry and Tony's dad, Harry Sr., would get his, my dad used to cut his hair. Wow. And so my dream when I was younger, like most black boys, was to be Michael Jordan. (laughs) (laughs) I thought I was going to be, I'm Jordan, you know, I'm going pro. Okay, everybody's, you know. And so my dad put me in AAU and um, AAU basketball and Harry Sr. had an AAU team. I believe it was called the Crusaders. And Harry and Tony, his sons, both played on the team. And so I remember growing up, I was 11, and Tony, I mean, was insane. I mean, he was just incredible. Harry, both of them just, and Harry's a little older than Tony. And from the day I can remember, um, Harry Sr. would always say, you know they're going pro. You know they're going pro. I mean, we're 13. and t- I mean, I'm 11. Wow. We're 13. He said, you know they're going pro. You know they're going pro. And we were like, okay, whatever. Some years go by. You know they're going pro. You know they I mean, this went on for five, because they would come to the barbershop. He said, oh, they're getting ready to go. Then they both got college scholarships. And Harry went football. Tony went basketball. And then we start seeing on ESPN all the time. And then he was like, you know they're going pro. I mean, this is, I mean, this is just continued. Then they both went pro. And Harry, you know, went Falcons. Yep. He went, uh, I believe, New York Knicks. And later I got to see Harry Sr. And I said to Harry Sr., I said, how did you know they were going pro? I said, said, how did you do this? He said, you know, I just believed in them until they believed in themselves. Woo, buddy. Woo, right? Son. That is my dad. Mm. My dad believed in us until we believed in ourselves. Mm. At every corner and at every turn, it was, he was not shocked by our accomplishments. We would accomplish something and he would say, well, what else did you think you were going to do? Like I would, you know, he was the dad that, you know, if I was at a church and the church was growing, he was secretly saying, you know, that they wouldn't grow without you. You know, like that's it. <laughs> I love it though, man. He I was love that, it. He was, he was that guy. And so from the day I can remember, he always had an expectation of you're a leader mm. and that's who you're supposed to be. And this is who God has wired you to be. And so go be it. And he put the wind behind ourselves. If there was something that he saw that we, he said, he thought, you know, you could do that. You could, he would be, he would stop everything, drive us to this and drive us to that. And I would say it took me a while to really believe it. I didn't believe it until I I started doing it. And he would take, I mean, I remember, you know, I think one of the first moments of leadership for me was was with a mentor of mine. His name's Freddie Hendricks. And Freddie's got an artist. He's an artistic director. He's got people on Broadway. I mean, like 20 or 30 people. Mm. And not just cast members. I mean, these are leading stars on Broadway. Kenan Thompson, Saturday Night Live came out. All of us kind of came from Freddie. 
And Freddie had the largest youth theater company in the world. And, and uh, I remember my, my dad, he knew, I, he thought I should be a part of it. He knew I should, could be. And I mean, he just, I missed the bus one day. He just, he just stopped, took off work, put me in the car. We're going to see Freddie. I said, what? <laughs> <laughs> and he stayed, he, he, he met Freddie and stayed with Freddie and, and let me be with Freddie all the time. Like, which for a father, you're like, who, who is this man? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. He just knew that there was something about Freddie that I needed. And he, and so he would, he just prepared the table, invited Freddie over for Christmas, invited Freddie over for family reunions and family outings and dinner and kind of became a second dad to even Freddie. Cause my dad's now 83. Cause he, so he adopted us really late in his life. And, uh, he just, whatever he could do to surround us with the people that we would need um, to develop our leadership and that would platform me and my sister. He, he just did it. And so I, I think I've all, you know, I've, that was kind of the first moment I was like, wait a minute, because Freddie started putting me in a leadership role and then I came into it. But my whole life, I feel like through my dad, it's just been an expectation of greatness and of leadership. Oh, that's so good. And you wonder so many times, Sam, I wonder how many times the Lord is playing the role of your dad. You know, and he's he believes in us so much more than we believe in ourselves and and want so much more. And I think so many times we shortchange. You we shortchange our stories. We shortchange, <laughs> well, we shortchange what we could have been. I know it hasn't all been good. I know you've had some rock bottoms. Oh, of course. So what were some rock bottoms you've walked through that where you said, Man, I I even probably began to doubt what God had for me. What were some of those? Oh my gosh. Um, hmm. Well, there was the moment I got saved, <laughs> yep. um, which I could talk about. Um, well, my sin around 16 kind of collided with reality mm. and kind of called me, called me back. But, but I would say the moment I, I think after that, um, you know, I was at a 25,000 member black church in Atlanta and we dropped from 25 down to 3000 in a year. And the church went through a lot. And, you know, I heard a lot of things on the way out and cause the pastor was hurt, which I totally get. But I think seeing a church go through that, you know, my, I'll share this. My sister hadn't been back to church since mm. that process. She still watches and she still engages and cause I am who, you know, who I am, but you know, it, it was very difficult for her to go back to church. It was, and it was very difficult for me to believe in the church yep. after that. And, um, you know, just really wanting to understand and try to make sense of this whole God thing. Like, okay, what does this mean? And, um, and I know the scriptures say this, but my life isn't, isn't doing that. And so how, you know, is, is God real? And if he is real, how, how does this whole scripture thing work? And I remember, um, I, I got so angry. I don't want to say with God, but at the church and at Christianity period that I said to God, it was the first time me saying, it, and I said, you know, I just feel like I'm losing. Mm. And it was a moment where it was going, oh, I was going, God, you either got to make sense of this for me or just take me out of here, man. Just because why am I living if this, I, you know, what I'm, I, what we're living for is Christ. And, 
And so why am I living if this whole Christ thing doesn't make sense? And, and it's not making sense. And I'm, I'm hearing sermons and I'm, you know, I'm excited about visions and dreams and, and all these things. Um, but I'm broken and I can't get anything accomplished. I'm just like, I'm, I'm paying my tithes. I'm doing as much, as well as I can to stay pure. You know what I'm yep, saying? Yep. And it's not working. And, um, and the Lord, I remember the Lord said to me, if you can lose and you can win. Mm. And that's when he brought to life to me, John 10, 10, this was around age 20, 21, that the thief come to steal, kill and destroy. I've come, you may have life, have it more abundantly or have it to the full, have an advantage. And, you know, in that moment, I just began to re, or should I say unearth my current theology around what I believed about how God worked with us in the kingdom and our role in it. And I began to just understand how, how this whole thing really made sense. And that, and, and I think the biggest thing for me was understanding that God is not a genie, mm. you know? <laughs> that's good though, man. I'm telling you though, that's, that's big for people to hear. That you know, we don't we don't rub God and get a right answer, the easy answer out all the time. Right. It's like yep. he's not just he's not the guy we go to and say, Hey, do it my way. It is what I want. And you know, and I've got a vision, I got a dream, I'm just gonna do it. But like you said, going back to that cast member thing, no, I'm a part of your story. And you're gonna do what you wanna do. Mm-hmm. And you're good and you're sovereign. And if you're good and you're sovereign then that means that whatever you do is good, even if I don't think it's good. Yep. Because you have my best interest. Or, or if I were to say it this way, whatever you allow to happen, I'm going to be okay. That's right. That's right. Because, because you're with me. Yep. Um, and then in that, you start going, okay, well, then that also means, you know, on the flip side, I also have a responsibility with what he's already given me. That, And I love... I love how Andy says it and, and how he references, you know, this whole idea of, you know, God kind of setting in motion the, the life that we're already living. That really, since the book of Genesis, he kind of pushed play and took his hands off in a sense. Yeah. And it put and designed in his creation this will and this path and these and this potential and all of that. And so a large part of our lives and our responsibility is living out the potential that he's already placed on the inside of us. And so a lot of times we'll find ourselves waiting on God to do something and God's waiting on us to do something. And he's given us the scriptures as a guide to how to maximize the potential that we have. Mm. Once I started understanding that, I'm like, wait, I have a little bit more control over this life than I thought I did. You know what I'm saying? Yep. And more importantly, more responsibility than I thought I had to, to remake the world, to remake my life, and to live out what God has already. I mean, it's the parable of the talents. Yeah, that's right. You know, um, God gives one, you know, five, he gives 10. I mean, one, another guy, one, and it's like, okay, multiply what, you know, what I've given you. So once I started doing that, life started making sense. But before that, theologically, I was, I mean, I was done. I mean, I was, yeah. I hit my bottom. Well, and, it, you know, and I know Blackaby and Experiencing God calls it, he said, every one of us hit a crisis of belief at some point. For, every, for us to ever experience God to his fullest, 
Yeah. You have to have a crisis of belief. You hit yours. You end up showing up at North Point to attend, to be a part, and it probably changed the rest of your journey. How did meeting Andy and Jeff Henderson and that crew, what's that done for you as a believer, as a leader? What's that done for you? Man, I hope Andy listens to this. <laughs> I'll, I'll send him a note. I'm sure he. I'm sure he doesn't tune in every week, but we'll we'll send him a note. No, I'll give him the minute number. Man, um, every opportunity I get, I say Andy Stanley changed my life. Mm-hmm. Jeff Henderson changed my life, and I say it to Andy, and he's like. No, no, no. <laughs> we said to Sandra, and Andy, I, we, Andy always says, well, we just, you know, we just try to steward what we have, and you've been a blessing to us, and we could be a blessing to you. And I'll say this. The biggest thing that I think all of them did for me is a couple of things. Beyond, obviously, the platform that they gave me, because you step on that North Point stage and it's like going to Harvard. Yep. Instant credibility internationally and nationally. But outside of that, they can they help me connect the dots of what Christianity is. And I always say, you know, our theology determines um, our, the way we live. Our theology determines our future. So much about what we believe about God determines how we live that out, and it determines what our life ultimately becomes. I don't don't know that people understand how connected their theology is to their future Mm. and to their current circumstance. What you believe about God. A lot of people will say, well, no, it's college degrees and it's you know, it's my friends and, and all of that matters. And, but at the end of the day, I think the biggest thing that determines our current reality is our theology is what we think and how we move and how we see God and how we view life. And as I said earlier, before, when I hit rock bottom, it was theology that changed me mm. because what I was doing was I had these visions and I had these plans and I was waiting on God to get to, to get in them. And, and so things weren't, they weren't working for me. And I, here's the biggest statement that changed me. A lot of us pray that God would bless what we're doing instead of getting him what he's already blessed. That's right. And that statement for me, it changed, it changed, it changed everything. And, and, and what North Point and Andy and Jeff, what they did is they started putting bones to that belief. Up here is how you become a part in a greater way of what God is already doing. Here's how you do it. Here are the principles. Here's what God cares about. And here's what he cares about within you. And, you know, the, the, the generosity piece. And here are some of the things that you should pursue that God has already breathed on. Here's how you should do this. And here's how you should view money. And here's how you maximize things, even from a structural perspective. You know, here's how you create a vehicle mm. that you deliver the message of God through. You know, this podcast, it's a vehicle. And that's right. 
books, it's a vehicle and churches, it's a vehicle. And here's how you create things. Here's how you, here's how you strategize. Here's how you communicate in such a way that it's memorable. So, I mean, life changing. Absolutely. Absolutely. You have a podcast, you have a radio show, you're on platforms. You're just on the largest leadership platform probably in the world in the area of leadership, <laughs> making a mark, making a difference. We'll have all the links in the show notes. Final question, Sam, when you get to heaven one day and you open up the, the cast book and you looked at the script that God had for Sam Collier and you see what his intentions were all along, what do you hope your life did while you were here? What do you hope is the greater story that you left on this planet as part of his story? What do you hope is that story? Wow. I'm going to say one more thing about Andy. Yeah. And then I'm, I'm going to answer that question. I am. Um, Cause I, I don't get the opportunity much to talk about it. Um, In reference to, I mean, I, I just, I would not be on this podcast. I would not, everything you talked about, the leadership journey, the pot, you know, the being at these conferences, writing these books, all of it is connected to Andy I, I, and, and Jeff and, and North Point. And obviously there are other, there were other ministries and all of that that I, were, that I was a part of that helped shape me. But the current state, me, even, even me being on this platform right now, it changed my life. And, and I don't want to make this about race um, because I'm going to answer the question. I know I'm all, all I'm so sorry. Um, no, no, this is great. But, you know, my white friends always ask me, you know, when we talk about race, it's what can we do to impact black culture and black community and, and, and the black community and minorities, because we see the problems. We, yep. we see the disparity. What can we do? And I always say, you know, leverage the opportunity that you have to lift up a person of color, leverage your opportunity. Cause that, that's how we in real time, right the wrongs of history. That's what Andy did. That's what Jeff did for me. They leveraged their influence which some of it could be connected to the color of their skin, but also a lot of it could be connected to their intelligence and what God them to do. They did that for me. And as a black man in America with a wife who is now living in that, who's African-American with future kids and friends that I've helped to bring over. And they set off a chain reaction mm. in our community of people that were connected to me, changed my life forever, financially, spiritually, emotionally. Um, so that's what I want to say about that. <laughs> that's so good. That is so good. I had to say that. Um, I didn't feel like I gave it enough justice. Um, what do I hope at the end of my life um, happened in my story? And, you know, I always say when I get to the end of my life, when you get to the end of, when you get to the end of your life, you want to look back and be excited about the movie. Man, I mean, that's oh, such a good question. Um, but
I would hope that um, that I help solve some things. Dr. Bernice King, um, who is one of the reasons I met Andy, who she's a major part of my my story changing. Um, Mona the King's daughter, we're good friends. And I had a conversation with her yesterday, and but a while back she told me one day before I got to North Point, she said to me. Um, Sam, you got to pick a problem. She said, you can't solve every problem, but you got to pick one. And she said, she, she took me into her story of, you know, at moments after she spoke at the United Nations at 19, um, her father had passed, MLK. Um, she started traveling all around the world and, and, and anytime there was a crisis, she felt like she had to go. Australia, Japan, Africa, you know, Canada, South America. And her mom, Coretta, sat her down one day. She said, you know, there's always, as long as you live, there's going to be problems. She said, you're not going to be able to solve all of them. She said, so what I want you to do is pick a couple you care about Mm. and give your life to it. And when we think about the story of MLK, he picked a couple. I mean, it was voting rights. <laughs> yep. It was business, you know, lunch counter sit-ins. It was, you know, and it was um, buses. And out of that, there was a chain reaction of other things that were solved. But he picked a couple. And so for me, at the end of my life, I, I would love for people to look back and say, you know, he picked, he picked, some, he picked some problems in the... And he helped, and he helped solve them. And for me, one of the biggest things I feel called to is helping people discover their greater story. If I could have a legacy of helping people find their uniqueness, operate in it, maximize it, and then go and then go back and help others, I feel great. I I would love for people to say, Sam, you know, connect, help me connect the dots, and Sam, open the doors, and Sam. Um, led a family well. I mean, I want to help my own family. I mean, I, I would say that that greater story thing is what I hope my legacy is, that I help my family live a greater story, that I help humanity live a greater story, that I help the church live a greater story, you know, and that I lived in my greater story. I mean, it's, wow. Lynch with the leader, man. It's just, <laughs> <laughs> what a podcast this is. I mean, I, I hope this show, I mean, I already know it's all over the world, man, but it's just, what you're doing is incredible, man. I just, I, this should be everywhere. man. Well, I appreciate that. Well, you, you're a gift to the kingdom, buddy. And I mean that. And I know we've never met face to face. I pray it's not the last time, but yeah. you're a gift to the kingdom. And there is no doubt that God brought you through everything he brought you through for a reason bigger than you. And And, and the great part is you get the rest of your life to discover what what that reason is but with that intention of helping people live their greater story there's no way to go wrong because it isn't about you that's yeah. the beautiful part it's not about you and what what most people and i'm so glad you talked about andy and jeff because people don't know them they don't know that part about them yeah but they truly that is truly an mo of both of them is they leave everybody they touch a little bit better 
And man, they've done that for me and I'm not a part of North Point. I'm all, you know, and in fact, I heard a couple of years ago, Andy was putting a church near us over in Kennesaw and I wanted to introduce the word merger. I said, man, listen, no need to be competitive here. I'll, I'll, I'll be your, I'll be a good campus guy. But, but, but Andy's a guy that, that wants to leave guys better. And it's because of what Christ did for them that now they do it for you. And now you're taking it and you're doing it for so many, man, you've been a blessing. You're a gift and we pray God's best over you. And I know great, great things are better and ahead and, uh, man, you're, you're a gift to the kingdom, buddy. I love you, Mike. I hope you enjoyed that time with Sam. You know, one of the things I was, I was on something the other day and somebody asked me the question, what's the biggest lesson you've learned from some of the folks that you've met with? You know what my biggest thing I've taken away? Their humility, their, their willingness to be a somebody and and I don't mean this in a weird way, but helping nobody like me, a guy that's the a guy that's just sort of a uh, a pastor for a living. That's what I do. This is just a fun little side thing that I get to do. And man, it, treat me like uh, he would treat anybody. And that's that's Sam. Sam's the Sam's the real deal. And Sam modeled humility. And I tell you what. My life is better because it connected with Sam. And don't you pray that's how God uses your life, that you have the ability to make other people better. And I think when you walk with the Lord, you just do that. And Sam, thanks. Thanks for sharing your story. And thanks for helping all of us find a greater story because we connected with your greater story. What a fun time. Well, our next podcast helps us usher in my favorite time of year, and that's spring training. Boy, the guys are reporting to Florida, Arizona. Major League teams are all getting ready for a World Series run. It all looks good for everybody right now. And when you think of my hometown team, the Atlanta Braves, there's a couple names you think of. John Smoltz, Tom Glavin, Greg Maddox, Bobby Cox, or the alleged Hank Aaron, Warren Spahn were the legendary Braves. But boy, there's another guy. He's in Braves folklore. And I can't think of baseball season without thinking of the name Sid Bream. Everybody remembers when Sid slid. Well, in our next episode, we get to sit down with Sid himself. And you are going to, the Sid you know from the field, boy, I tell you what. That guy behind the scenes, he's the real deal. I can't wait to have you on again next time. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please go and leave a review at iTunes. It really does help us. Or you can just stop, share the episode via social media. That's a great way to uh, get new people uh, to join us as we all seek to be the people God created us to be. Thanks again for today and pray you have a great one. Thank you for listening to the Lynch with a Leader podcast with your host, Mike Lynch. If you enjoyed this episode, you can help more people hear it by subscribing and leaving a review wherever you may be listening. For full episode notes and more spiritual leadership resources, visit MikeLynch.com.